everyone, and welcome to Tops Talk, episode 25, and we thank you for listening in from whenever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Alex Bursch. On June 3rd, Tops is releasing Star Wars Evolution, the newest physical product from the galaxy that is oh so far away. This episode will focus on that release, and I spoke with entertainment brand manager Mark Von Olin about the specifics of Evolution. But this episode will mainly feature my interview with one of the new signers for the product, voice actor Steven Stanton. Steve has a long history in television and movies, but his work with Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels TV shows was what brought him into the galactic spotlight. We spoke about portraying legendary characters, the art of voice mimicking, and much, much more. Steven Stanton, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me on today, Alex. And so you have had a few turns in the Star Wars galaxy. And as Admiral Tarkin in both the Clone Wars and Rebels. I mean, what is that like bringing such a legendary character to life? Well, actually, I must uh, make a small connection. I'm Grandma Tarkin in Star Wars Rebels, dear boy. And uh, <laughs> it's... It's been uh, it's been wonderful to portray that character because I'm such a big fan. I've always been a fan of Peter Cushing uh, since I was a kid, and uh, it was wonderful when I went to see you know the first Star Wars film because I didn't have any idea he was in it. I didn't know that much about the film when I went and saw it. And when when Peter Cushing walked across the screen in that first scene in the Imperial Conference conference room on the Death Star, the movie just got that much better for me. So it's been. Uh, it's been wonderful as an actor to be able to continue his legacy as an actor, you know, portraying this character. And what about the character specifically really speaks to you? Well, you know, Tarkin was such an interesting and uh, integral part of the uh, of the first movie. I mean, Darth Vader's in it, but the real villain of that movie is uh, is Grandma of Tarkin, you know, because he's the commander of the Death Star. And, you know, so it was it's, it was fun to uh, go back in the Clone Wars and explore where that character came from. Because in the Clone Wars, I played him as a much younger man uh, when he was Captain Tarkin. He was still in the military. He was boots on the ground out there with the troops. You know, they finally gave Tarkin a gun, which was, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of a dangerous thing to do. But, yeah, so, uh, so in those uh, episodes of the Clone Wars, I actually went back and I studied Peter Cushing, uh, his films, as a younger man and adjusted my voice differently to get that uh, younger feel. And then uh, when Star Wars Rebels started, we got to now explore who he has become, a sort of like uh, evil sort of mastermind, tactical mastermind, military mastermind that uh, we all know from Star Wars in A a New Hope. That's so cool that you were able to go back and really follow Peter Cushing's life almost to try and mimic the way that he sounded. That's brilliant. And was that your idea or did, did someone at the studio tell you to do that? Well, I mean, we discussed it. Uh, Dave Filoni, the director of the show, you know, we had discussed, you know, the kinds of things we, you know, we uh, wanted to do with the character. And I just felt that if I portrayed him exactly the way he was portrayed in Star Wars A New Hope, that the Jedi and everybody around him probably wouldn't want to have anything to do with him because he was so irascible and disagreeable and, you know, so full of himself. There had to be a point in time where he was working with the Jedi, where they all had a similar goal, and he had to be at least... What I, what I kind of based it on was uh, Peter Cushing's portrayal of Sherlock Holmes. 
because uh, Holmes is very much like the young Tarkin. He just he knows what he wants, and the people that are too slow to keep up with him, they, he has no uh, he has no patience for him. So I kind of based it on uh, Cushing's portrayal of Sherlock Holmes to kind of like as the jumping off point as what would Tarkin be like as a young man. Just the fact that you know you have such a a good knowledge of this man, and also that the fact that you were drawn to him so much early on in in your life, just the character itself. I mean, I that must be crazy. The fact that you are <laughs> you have now kind of carried the torch. It's a wonderful thing, and you know, and, and animation things like that allow us to do the, do do these kinds of projects. You know, where we get to fill in for someone that's no longer with us. I mean, uh, I also do the same thing. Uh, I started back in 2004, I think it was, uh, with LucasArts, uh, doing uh, the Alec Guinness character, Old Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I've had the chance to do it in other films, like in Life Itself, where I filled in for the voice of Roger Ebert. A lot of opportunities, you know, for a voice actor to uh, to kind of like continue the legacy of someone that's no longer with us, you know, just by virtue of being that person's voice for them. Sometimes random people, you see how they they have a knack for impressions. Have you always had a knack for impressions? Well, I don't really put myself in the impressionist category. We have a, a term for it out here in the industry. It's called voice matching. Mm. And it really involves, uh, because many times, I'm not saying all the time, but many times an impression is based on a caricature or an exaggeration of someone's vocal or speech patterns. So that when you come out of the gate and say the first line of dialogue, everybody knows it's like either William Shatner or Kirk Douglas or somebody like that. When we're doing voice match, the whole idea is for the audience not to even know that someone else is doing the voice. On some of the projects that I work on, whether it's you know me doing my own research or going into a, a film, sometimes on a feature film, an actor will finish the movie, somebody like a Bruce Willis or a Russell Crowe or Liam Neeson, somebody like that. And I'm not saying I've done those characters, but what I'm saying is that they'll be off on their next movie in another part of the world. And in post-production, all of a sudden they need to, to loop uh, or replace uh, lines of dialogue. You know, maybe a truck drove by while they were recording the, the, uh, the, uh, the audio, and now it doesn't work. Or they want to change something. And now they have to get somebody like me to come in and fill in for that actor. And what they'll do is they'll give me reference. Uh, the lab me will sit down and watch a couple of reels of the movie so I understand what that actor is doing specifically in that film. And then I go in and I match their dialogue as close as possible and, the, and their emotion, you know, uh, working with the director usually of the film, trying to recapture that performance so that when the movie comes out and you're sitting in the theater at home in your living room watching it, you have no idea that someone else is speaking for, you know, the star of the film. Wow, that is incredible. It makes so much sense, too. You, sir, are a very talented man, and uh, not very well, many you. people not many people could do what you do. Uh, of the voices that you have matched, what was the hardest that you had to match? I think probably Roger Ebert for life itself, uh, because there was, you know, Roger had a very distinct way of speaking, um, and, of course, there was, you know, there was the whole... Uh, you know, there was kind of the, I don't want to say the pressure, but, you know, everybody that knew Roger was going to be listening to this, his wife, Chad, you know, everybody in his family, his close friends. So working with Steve James, the director on that film, we tried to get as close as possible to not what Roger sounded like on TV, the way you, may, you and I may have seen him on, on his review shows, but how Roger spoke, 
from just sitting in the living room, just talking, being very excited about films and talking about his life to the people that were closest to him and his family. So it was, a, it was, it was quite a challenge. You know, I was given a lot of reference material by Steve James and Chad Ebert, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to study. And, um, I think that would probably, that's the answer to that question, the voice of Roger Ebert. <laughs> and what was what was the easiest? What was something that was so seamless and, and you felt like you could do it in your sleep? You know, I don't think I've ever run into anything that's really easy because, like I said, doing voice match, you don't ever want to come off as doing an impression. So, you know, no matter who it is, uh, whether it's Peter Cushing, I, you know, I've done him for years now, and Alec Guinness, I never go into a session and just, don't practice it on the way, you know, I always practice it on the way in or the day before. I always take my reference files out. I listen to them. I get into the mode because I want to get into the, to the mind of the character. You know, it's one thing to go in to do impressions of people and maybe do famous lines from their famous movies. But when you're suddenly given original dialogue and you have to channel how <laughs> you think that person would have delivered those lines if they were standing right there doing it. That's a, that's a whole other thing entirely, like I said, to make it come off real and not come off like a caricature. Mark Von Olin, brand manager of entertainment here at Tops. Mark, good to hear from you again. Thanks for having me, Alex. This is way too many times that I've talked to you. <laughs> well, there's always something exciting happening I on know. the entertainment side of the portfolio. Yes, we are is. more than just a sports company. <laughs> oh, that is for sure. I mean, people, people don't actually know that... We are also bazooka, and I and I think that probably becomes a, a really great trivia note for anyone who hears that. I know this uh, past weekend when I was in L.A. and when I was talking to some guys about tops, and I said, "Oh, you know, we're also bazooka." Like, whoa, whoa, hey. and ring pop, yeah, a whole well, bunch of other great candy brands. Right, I was explaining how bazooka meant a few different things: ring pop, push pop, uh, you know, I mean, the, the new whole crunchkins. Yes, yes, the new crunchkins. Candy didn't think they'd be getting in on this, but no, I'm going to charge Anthony for this. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Star Wars Evolution, and that is something that is really exciting for you, Mark, because of what you're dubbing as kind of the quote-unquote surprise product, and, and why don't you go into why that is? Yeah, it, it's so exciting to talk specifically about uh, the 2016 Evolution product because there are so many surprises coming that uh, consumers don't know about. You know, we solicited the product uh, many months ago. Orders are in. We're producing. We're shipping. We're ready to go. The product comes out on Friday, June 3rd um, after a little, a slight delay. Uh, but I think it was all worth it based on all of the extras that we're throwing in there. Um, so let me start first with the things you do know about the product. If you were in the know and ordered on time. And if not, it's new. You can go find it in your local hobby shops. Uh, this is a 100 base card product that features character evolutions across the entire saga, um, including the animated properties and through The Force Awakens. So what that really means is we examine the key characters like Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, Vader, and how they developed over the course of the different movies. So there are multiple base cards for Anakin Skywalker, and it shows him from going being a slave on Tatooine as a little kid, you know, the Jake Lloyd version, um, into being a Jedi apprentice, you know, as Hayden Christensen, to eventually becoming the dreaded Sith Lord Darth Vader. Um, so you'll see that evolution um, come to light. Also, we threw in uh, thematically relevant inserts uh, that explain evolutions of what I think are some of the more interesting pieces of um, the saga in general, vehicles and ships. We also have uh, the Marvel Star Wars comics and their evolution, and then we also do an evolution of the lightsaber insert. So that's the third insert. We also have a 
stained glass style pairing, and this is really a throwback to the Evolution product that we did back in 2002. It's a clear card that has sort of colored in, almost looks like tiles, like stained glass, of key pairings of characters. And those are the four inserts that we told you about. Um, and now here comes the fun surprise. Uh, so if anyone is a collector of the Evolution cards we did um, about a decade ago, there is this awesome lenticular morph card that showed the transformation of characters. So going from Anakin Skywalker as Jake Lloyd to Darth Vader. So there's nine of those cards in total with a very limited print run um, for you to chase. Uh, it's one roughly every four boxes. So definitely um, get yourself a case if you want to guarantee yourself um, one of the lenticular morph cards. It's one of our smaller surprises. In, in the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, what does that mean to you to just be a part of kind of that Star Wars family? Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's wonderful in the sense that, you know, uh, so many of these things that I grew up with as a kid, you know, have, they have such staying power, and Star Wars being one of them. You know, I, I can hardly believe that I'm working on something that, you know, that I enjoyed, you know, <laughs> Back when, uh, back when I was a kid and just, you know, watching sci-fi and monster films and things like that, to be able to be, number one, uh, part of Star Wars is phenomenal. Number two, to be able to be in Star Wars as one of my favorite actors, Peter Cushing, that's another great thing. And then the third thing is, and I think this is probably the most important, is the connection with all the Star Wars fans literally around the, the world. It's been fascinating when we go to uh, conventions like Celebration or San Diego or we go to smaller conventions in different towns around the United States to be able to connect with the Star Wars fans who turned out to be some of the most generous and you know just incredible people uh, that's been really the, I think probably almost more fun than doing the shows it's you could getting to meet everyone and, and uh, understanding their appreciation for the saga, which is it's tremendous and it runs deep. It goes from generation to generation. We have fans now that grew up with the original trilogy, and that fans that grew up on the prequels, fans that grew up on Clone Wars, and now we have a new generation that's growing up on either The Force Awakens or Star Wars Rebels. It's something amazing each time that, you know, anyone of even minuscule substance from the Star Wars galaxy runs into Star Wars fans uh, en masse. And, you know, at Celebration, I mean, when you first interacted, I, I want to go back to the first time you interacted with, with fans uh, and, and how they embraced you. I mean, what was, what was that like that first time? Well, that was pretty amazing. We did it at uh, Wizard World in Anaheim. Uh, that was my very first convention that I did. And uh, uh, I had a lot of support there. And my uh, other acting friends, Rick Fitz, who was on Star Trek The Next Generation, and Michael Gregory, who was uh, Lieutenant Hedgecock and Robocop, uh, they were there to kind of like, you know, they're they're old hands at this. They've been in the business for many, many years. So they were there with my managers, Dutch and Kathy, to kind of support me. And that day, uh, we signed, I believe, over 700 Tarkin uh, official picks uh, autographs, things, any, everything that people brought up, backpacks and uh, you know shirts and all, all kinds of lunchboxes people bought. So I was I was at the table, you know, nonstop except for a small break to grab a piece of pizza and to go sit in the Batmobile where Adam was for award work because I had to, I had to do something that I wanted to do as well. Of course, when I was a kid that was sitting in that, that 1966 Batmobile. 
Uh, but yeah, that was that was it was tremendous because it was Tarkin had only just been premiered on the Clone Wars not that long. People really didn't know who I was, and uh, so that was my first chance to meet a lot of people that I have since you know kept a lot of fans that uh, kept in touch with to this day. They are so incredible and and persistent <laughs> and passionate, and I'm sure it really makes your role, as you're saying, uh, just so worthwhile. How did you come upon these roles uh, in the Star Wars galaxy? Um, well, I just want to get back to the convention just for a second. Oh, so sure. People understand the, the 700 autographs and all this stuff. We do all of our uh, signings for charity. So there's, you know, we're not charging for the autographs or in, and in cases where there, there is a, a donation involved, it all goes to one of the charities that we work with, like uh, Starlight Children's Foundation and, you know, places like that. Because uh, we want to give back to the fans in a way that you know, says that we care about them and thank them for watching the show and, and being there and supporting it. Um, so as far as getting involved with Lucasfilm, yeah, that that goes back actually pre Clone Wars, back to uh, Lucas Arts and doing the the voice of uh, old Ben Kenobi for um, I think uh, Star Wars and uh, Battlefront Two and Empire at War. Uh, I had done, you know, a number of voices for them in those games, like Dark Maul and characters like that. And then, uh, you know, Clone Wars came out, and uh, I actually got on board Clone Wars. The very first voice I did for them was Matsumeda, you know, the uh, the right hand man of the uh, the Chancellor in the uh, in the Senate. You know, he has blue skinned guy. He's always got his big staff and his robes and everything like that. Uh, and that was the first role that I um, I did on Clone Wars, and it kind of snowballed from there and and of course it changed your life it, it was it was a great time to be involved because i think that was back in 2009 and george lucas was still very much hands-on uh, with all the episodes of clone wars so you get notes from him and and uh, so it was great to be involved in with star wars when george lucas was you know was still involved with it so you know now where the transition has been with disney but it was great to be there at that time as well do you remember any notes that he gave you specifically that stick in your mind? Usually um, getting no notes was the best one that you could get. <laughs> that means everything you did was great. You know, like slipping in a THX uh, 1138 reference, which I did. And unfortunately, that episode is, is not aired. It was uh, one of the ones that we did in, the, I think, season seven or so. And we've done a lot of episodes in the Clone Wars that have still not seen the light of day. Hopefully, one day something will happen with them. But... Uh, so Star Wars Evolution will be available on Friday, June 3rd, exclusively in your local hobby shops or through your online distributors. Um, it won't be on Tops.com. It won't be in any of your mass channels. You have to go to your hobby shops or your distributors. We also have surprise hits that people should really look out for and that you purposefully kept from them, you evil man, you. <laughs> we always want to put something out where... Um, you think you know everything going in, and then there's something extra special for you to chase. You know, we did it with the Force Awakens series two. We threw in those uh, those books with the dual medallions and dual autographs, um, and those are doing really well. People are chasing those down. So we wanted to have that same fun chase factor for Evolution. So I'll reveal um, some of those uh, exciting special items. Uh, but first, I want to remind everyone uh, what the hits are for this product in general. Um, we've got autographs, sketch cards, and 
and patch cards, and the patches are the different factions from across the different time periods. So all seven films, or all the different factions, uh, plus Rebels, are represented. There are actually 56 patch cards to collect, and they're all sequentially numbered um, across their parallels. So the bronze, the silver, the gold, um, they're all sequentially numbered, which is very exciting, and a wide list for you to chase. And then there are also signed versions of the patches, and the autographed versions of the patches feature some of the leaders of the individual factions. And then we've got one other surprise in the autograph territory. John Boyega, who you guys know played Finn in The Force Awakens, actually signed this product for us on card. We had a special signing set up for him, and his cards are going into the product um, on all the parallels, and we even got him to sign a stack of base cards. And his one-of-one is actually... uh, he wrote next to his name Finn so you know because the, the one of one wasn't good enough right, we also right, had right. to add a little inscription to it wow. um, and those cards are fantastic we'll post photos of those very soon right before the product launches and why don't we finish this up with talking about some of the very rare and I'm talking about ultra rare hits that are going to be in this product yeah we've got some really fun chase cards for you guys uh, we've got We've got seven dual autographs going into the product, and they're all sequentially numbered to three, so they're very rare. The other thing that we didn't tell you guys about is another surprise, one of the many surprises in Star Wars Evolution. We've got a quad book auto featuring all the Bobas. So Jeremy Bullock, Daniel Logan, John Morton, and Dickie Beer all on one card. Wow. I'm super excited about that. That is... That is... Bobatastic. It, it really is. is. Bobatastic. I'm going to start using that. You should. Um, I mean, we'll put up an image of that very quickly. Um, we're in time for this podcast going live. Yeah, and you should use the word Bobatastic. Without That's, a doubt. Okay. Bobatastic. Thank you. you see, look, I'm watching him write this down. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Have we got this one more a, surprise? Oh, geez. I know. I thought You thought you were done. I'm exhausted with these surprises. Last one, I promise. Um, you know, we've got our manufactured patches, and as I mentioned, they're all sequentially numbered, and there are 56 of them, and they're from across all of the different factions. We've also got a dual patch book where we've paired characters together who have aligned together across the series. So Luke and Leia for example, or the Emperor and Darth Vader. And these book cards are, one, gorgeous, and two, uh, going to be highly sought after because they're a very limited print run. There's only five being made of each of them. And we're only doing um, eight book cards. There's basically one for every faction. So there's one for the Republic, there's one for the Separatists, the Jedi Order, Rebel Alliance, the Empire, the Resistance, the First Order, and what we're dubbing Phoenix Squadron, which is our Rebels. The reason why I am talking to you today is because you are getting your tops card in Star Wars Evolution, set to come out in June. What does that feel like for you to, to actually have yourself on a tops card? That is the most amazing thing ever. Because you know, when I was a kid growing up, we just you know we referred to them as bubblegum cards. I don't think there's any bubblegum in them anymore. But um, I mean, this is this is fantastic to have your own trading card. I, I never thought myself that I would ever have one because, you know, I was figured I'm never going to be about a baseball player. And <laughs> that was my, my association, you know, or, you know, or the Mars attack card, just something like that. Uh, but then to have it as, be a Star Wars card and then a Tarkin card on top of it, that's just, that's incredible. I love it. When you collected when you were younger, I mean, what, what was that like? I mean, how, how deep did your collecting, uh, collecting go? God, you know, I just collected them. It didn't matter what the card was. I would just go and buy whatever there was. I mean, uh, and I had all kinds of things. I mean, because there was, I mean, everything was, during the 1970s, you could get all kinds of stuff. 
I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know if all of them were tops, you know, I had presidents, and, you know, <laughs> um, there were TV shows like Batman and stuff like that. There was all kinds of stuff that was out in those days. So bubblegum cards were a big part of my, uh, you know, thing that I did going to the 7-Eleven, you know, return pop bottles, get money and then go buy candy. <laughs> so, so I didn't really focus on anything. I would just get whatever they had, you know, just because it was fun. And you, you, there's always, you know, stuff on the back, either with stats on sports cards or uh, a picture that you were building on TV show cards, you know, all kinds of stuff. Steve, you, you can't fool me. I know you want, I know you were looking for that Batmobile card. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Wacky packages, things like that. Oh, yeah. Everybody has their thing. Everybody. So when you did this assigning for us, you did something very special. And, and I want you to go into uh, what that entails and the giveaway aspect of it. Okay. Well, when I signed this, because this is my first uh, tops card, uh, when I got the, uh, the sticker sheets, uh, the very first one that I signed, I put a little number one on. And then when I got to uh, uh, card number 66, in honor of uh, order 66, very imperial, you know, uh, I put a little number 66 on that sticker. So there's two cards out there. One has a number one on it to honor the very first tops card I've ever signed, a number 66. And anybody that finds those cards, we're going to be giving away uh a T-shirt. We have two T-shirts that we got from the Omaze uh, Star Wars Force for Change campaign. One is uh, the light side, that's BB-8, and the other is the dark side. It's Kylo Ren. They're beautiful T-shirts, and each one of those will go to each of the uh, finders of those cards. And we'll be putting that up, that up on social media and letting people know that they're out there so they know what to look for. Well, that sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. I, people are going to flip out and, and do their best to, to find them and to get them. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been enlightening and awesome. I never thought I'd be able to hear Grand Moff Tarkin as well as Old Ben. This has been a real treat. Well, thank you. And, you know, the people that find those cards are going to have the same opportunity that you did because we're also going to do a Skype call with whoever finds each of those cards as well. So we'll, uh, that wow. should be a lot of fun. See, that's the, all right, everybody, you got you got you got to do it. I mean, I didn't have the opportunity to ask him to maybe even record it so I could have my, my uh, voicemail, but you never know. Uh, but again, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, the signing for for uh, Star Wars Evolution. It's going to be a great product, and you made it even that much better. Well, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to seeing the cards in person. Uh, I know it's going to be awesome. Thanks for listening to Top Talk, and we hope you hear us again soon. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboom, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can find us on Twitter at Topstalk. If you have any questions or comments, or would like to tell us your collecting story on a future episode, email us at topstalk at tops.com. Your Obi-Wan sent shivers down my spine. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the voicemail if you want. So. No, no, it's okay. It's all right. But if I run into you at uh, Star Wars Celebration, I'm going to introduce myself and then ask for it politely. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll record something like, a, oh, this is Alex, not Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Alex you're looking for. Oh. not here right now. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
Special thanks goes to Clay Laraski, Leanne Minutoli, Susan LeJudai, Mark Von Olin, and Stephen Stanton. You know, you can actually hear him. The last time I did uh, Obi-Wan was for the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Star Wars Battle Pod arcade game, the standalone. I have actually thing. seen that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I did. Uh, I played two characters on that. I played uh, Old Ben Kenobi and I did that. General Dodonna. You know, the Death Star is three meters wide and six meters tall and full <laughs> of bad guys. This has been episode 25 of Top Stock.